0: Up next, a pointed and direct word from Dr. Michael Youssef, pastor, author, and teacher for the worldwide ministry, leading the way. How
2: come that Peter dedicates six verses to the wives and only one verse to the husbands? That's a great question. i give you a Youssef answer, because men have short attention span. Welcome
0: to Leading the Way. Life gets real in marriage and family relationships, making home one of the hardest places to live out gospel transformation. But it is possible because of Jesus. Up next on Leading the Way audio, Dr. Yusuf looks at Peter's words regarding identity transformation in relationships. Married or not, you'll be challenged by this life changing teaching. Here's Dr. Yusuf to begin.
2: Next to the subject of money, the subject of marriage relationship is very hard and explosive for a pastor to handle. But since I'll only tell you what the Scripture says, I pray that you not only be challenged, transformed, but be blessed in the process. And so, if you would turn with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1 to 7. Some of you perhaps thought of the question, how come that Peter dedicates six verses to the wives and only one verse to the husbands? Now, if you ask that question, that's a great question. i give you a Yusuf answer, because men have short attention span. (laughs) Now, let me give you the real answer from the Word of God to that question the apostle Peter, guided by the Holy Spirit, writing to these new believers in Roman society, in Roman culture. In Roman culture, they were expecting the wife to always follow the husband's religion. If he decides to add one, two, or three or more gods to the household gods, she goes along. Women did not have much of a say back then until the Christian faith came in. And please make no mistake about it, the Christian faith is the women's liberation faith. Amen. Amen. And so when the Christian faith came in, appeared in Roman society, it created a problem. Now, it did not create a problem if the husband came to Christ first. Because if he came to Christ first and believed in Jesus first, then the family followed. The wife and the kids followed him. But the problem arose when the wife came to Christ first. That created a huge problem. And that is why the Apostle Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians in details. So given men's temperament back then, husbands perceived when their wives became Christian believers, they perceived that as a threat to their manhood. And men saw this as affront to their absolute authority over the family. History tells us that back then, a wife could ask her husband or suggest to her husband to add one or two or three or more gods to the household gods, and the husband often went along with her because the more gods, the merrier. (laughs) I mean, they want to get protection, they want to get blessed over any God of nature, God of prosperity, God of this. Add them in there. That's fine. Ah, but the problem came when these pagan men could not understand the exclusive nature of the Christian faith. They couldn't understand that. What do you mean we have to abandon all these gods and only worship one? (laughs) We need more gods, not less gods. Who is this new God who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? You see, because of this type of situation, it created an upheaval in the marital relationship in Roman society. And so Peter spends six verses speaking to the Christian wife who has an unbelieving husband. And for the believing husband, when he comes to the Lord first, only tell him, you need only one thing. A believing husband needs to do one thing. It's in verse 7. I'm going to come to it in details, that the husband is to be thoughtful, caring, supportive, nurturing, sensitive, and considerate. That's it. It's not much. But in reality, if you examine the Scripture closely, you're going to find that Peter gives more responsibility in one verse to the husbands than the six verses to the wife. Now that you know why it's six verses, verses one, we just look at the passage. There are four things that I want to share with you. For those of you who are taking notes, I'm going to speak a little slowly so you can write them down. Four things I want to share with you from this Word of God a believing wife does not need to use words in her witnessing to her husband. as verses 1 and 2. Secondly, he is speaking to a a believing wife married to an unbelieving husband. He's saying, your inner beauty of character is your greatest strength. Verses 3, 4, and 5. Thirdly, he says, your submission and obedience to God will set you free from fear. Verse 6, and Then verse 7, the secret of blessing is in the husband's knowing and serving his wife. All right, let's unpack this. First of all, verses 1 and 2, you don't have to use words in your witnessing to your unbelieving husband. Likewise, wives submit to your husbands. I know the word submit or submission, it creates heart palpitation. In fact, I know there are some people that I used to know in my old church where they used to hyperventilate at the word submission. (laughs) But the Bible also said that we have to submit to one another. They leave that out. You see, when the Bible said in Ephesians, for the man to love his wife as Christ loved the church, he is placing the onus on the husband. Because a person can submit without loving, but you cannot love without submitting. And here Peter is saying that sometimes when a new believer, like a new believing wife, in their zeal, in their vim and vigor, in their delight in the salvation of the Lord… They are anxious for their unbelieving husbands to come and experience the same thing. They want them to experience forgiveness. They want them to experience the peace of God. They want them to experience this inexplicable love of God through Jesus Christ. And so, in their zeal, they can end up, please excuse the expression, nagging their husbands. Hear on this one. Since conversion and since salvation is a God thing. It's a God thing in its timing. It's a God thing in its circumstances. It's a God thing in the circumstances surrounding salvation. And therefore, he is saying, you need to trust God with your husband's salvation. You need to trust God with all of your heart, instead of harping on him. You're harping at him, will not speed the timing for their salvation. <laughs> You're beating him over the head with it. It's counterproductive. Just trust God. Trust God's timing. He is not saying you ignore your unbelieving husband or not answer his questions if he asked about the faith. No, but rather demonstrate the character of Christ to him. And that is why, in the last message, Peter sets the stage for all of us. Young, old, husband, wife, single, married, doesn't make any difference. He sets the stage for all of us to follow what Christ modeled for us, that when he experienced injustice as he went through to the cross, he trusted his Father's justice. You see? And here he applies it in a marriage relationship. He applies it specifically to that marriage relationship in Roman society. The main part of the process of identity transformation, listen to me, the main part of this process is becoming Christ-like every single day, more every day, more every day. Now, let me stop here and have a word from the Word to the single people. Single people, young people, students there is a Word from God for you. And you need to remember this later on when you're dating and getting married. (laughs) Don't forget it, okay? You can write it down if you want to. Very simple. Don't marry an unbeliever. That's it. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't become unequally yoked because that's going to be unbearable. Now, remember this when the time comes, okay? If you start dating an unbeliever thinking that you 're going to change him or you 're going to change her, think again. if you get involved with an unbeliever with the hope that you might convert him or her, what you 're doing is you're putting God to the test. Listen, you have to understand that Peter speaking to an unbelieving couple who 's one of them, the wife, came to Christ first, remember that and so You don't have to use words in your witnessing to your believing husband. Secondly, he says, your inner beauty of character is your greater strength. Back in Peter's day, Roman women spent untold hours braiding their hair. They really did. It was the thing to do. And not only braid the hair, take a long time in braiding it and doing different styles, but they stick gold and silver in it, and wear all kinds of jewelry. As a matter of fact, there are some historians who have said that sometimes a wife would have the entire family net worth on her hair. (laughs) And that's why he's saying what he's saying here. So what is the principle that we need to learn for us today? Listen carefully. Modesty and simplicity in dress not to attract people's attention and make them envious. Paul addresses this problem of being dressed to kill, particularly in worship, in church. He does that three times. He does it in the Corinthian church, and he does it to Timothy in his writing. Why this dress to kill when you go to church should not be even thought about, should not be practiced? Because… The emphasis when you go to church, the focus should be Jesus and not the provocative dress that takes men's eye off Jesus and on you. That's really the principle here, that the focus should be on the Lord. And Peter here is saying that there is a beauty that is far more powerful, far more precious, far more impactful, far more arresting, and that is the beauty of a godly character. Ladies, listen to me. Peter is not saying that you should go around looking haggard. No, that's not what he's saying. Not at all. But look nice, by all means. But let your husband see your inner beauty. Someone said a beautiful young person is a, an accident. But a beautiful older person is a work of art. <laughs> The inner beauty of a gentle spirit means that you're not always critical. It means that you're not always pushy and assertive. It means that you're not whining and complaining all the time. It means that you're not always an expert on every subject all the time. I see elbows flying everywhere. (laughs) It means that you are not forever pouting, or, or that you're constantly putting your husband down and always pointing to his weaknesses. But rather, the beauty of character is manifested in your words of encouragement to him, in your words of wisdom, in your words of wise counsel. When you speak, people are uplifted and encouraged. And so first... You don't have to use word in witnessing to your unbelieving husband. Secondly, your inner beauty of character is your strength. And thirdly, your submission to God will set you free from fear. Will set you free. Look at verse 6 with me. If you do right, that is submitting to God, then you have nothing to fear. Peter is saying that a believing wife in the Roman culture or any culture... When you are living in obedience to God, when you are living in obedience to the Word of God, you will have joy in ministering to your unbelieving husband. If you place God first, if you place God's Word in its rightful place, then your unbelieving husband will be a blessing to you, even though he's not a believer. If you honor God first, if you honor God's Word, then you will have confidence and inner peace uh, which the world can never understand. And that is the bottom line here. If you fear God, you'll fear nothing else. Did you get that? If you fear God, you'll fear nothing else. And so he says, first, you don't have to use words in your witnessing to your unbelieving husband. Secondly, your inner beauty is your greatest strength. And thirdly, your submission to God will set you free from fear. And fourthly, and finally, and here comes the big one, Christian husbands, you must know everything that is to be known about your wife. Why? So that you may minister to her, so that you may serve her adequately. I told you there's more responsibility in one verse for the hus- believing husband than six for the believing wife. Guys, I want you to think this with me. Just think with me through this, okay? The great psychologist, fraud. You know what I'm talking about? Fraud? You know the psychologist? Uh, Freud, I saw it's my accent. I always blame my accent. He said, who can understand women? The Word of God is saying, forget fraud. Forget him, because by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, you can know your wife intimately. And that is to know more than just how she likes her coffee or tea. This is to know what brings her joy and what pains her. That is to know what encourages her and what discourages her, to know what lifts her up and what pulls her down, to know what blesses her and what put dreads in her life. And that's what it means to live according to knowledge. In fact, that's accurate translation. That is, you know everything about her. It means that you know when she wants to talk to you and when she doesn't. And if she wants to talk to you while you're watching your favorite sports program, don't mute that darn thing, just turn it off. Hello, that's, uh, not getting too many amens here, I understand. <laughs> that's all right. You know I'm speaking truth because that's the Word of God. <laughs> I need to tell you that living with your wife according to knowledge is not the same as pandering to your wife. Did you get that? Living with your wife according to knowledge is not the same as pandering or just going along for the sake of going along. And I'm going to tell you why this is important. It's not just the same as giving in, so you just cut the discussion and you don't have to talk anymore. No. Why? Because pandering will backfire sooner or later. Pandering or just giving in to get along will not get you in absolute agreement, heart, soul, and mind. And when you don't have an absolute agreement, heart, soul, and mind, your prayers will not be answered. It's going to be hindered from being answered. Pandering or just giving in does not get your prayers answered. Listen to me. (laughs) Coming together in agreement and I'm talking about total agreement, not just will well, I go along with you, and I'm talking about total agreement, is going to get God to answer your prayers. Look at verse 7. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, beloved, let me tell you something. Through the years, there are certain words of the Lord Jesus I've studied more than other words, and I've probably studied more about Jesus' promise, when two of you agree on something on earth, be answered in heaven. That have always flabbergasted me, and I wanted to know. And I studied it, and I studied it, and I studied it. And I came to a conclusion. You want to hear it? Yes. I don't understand it. <laughs> it's the absolute truth. It's the absolute truth. But, listen carefully, I thoroughly believe it. <laughs> And we have practiced it. And we have seen God again and again and again being faithful to fulfill that promise. Here's a warning. Here's a warning. The devil knows that there is power in agreement, in prayer, between husband and wife. He knows that there is power in prayer, when there's absolute agreement with two brothers in Christ or two sisters in Christ in a church, he knows that. And so what does he do? He works over time to divide us, divide our homes and divide our marriages and divide our families, divide our church leaders. Why? To neutralize the power of agreement and answer to prayer. When a husband and wife come in absolute agreement, heart, soul, and body, and mind, on an issue that is honoring to God, consistent with the Word of God, brings glory to God. God will move with power. He will. He has. I've seen it too many times to doubt it, and I know many of you have too. But I need to warn you, I need to warn you, the opposite is true. The book of Acts chapter 5 tells us about the husband and wife who agreed to lie to the Holy Spirit. And they both dropped dead in front of the church. Let me ask you this. What is keeping you from coming into agreement? Is it a sin in your life? Is it selfishness? Is it lack of faith and trusting in the promise of God? Whatever it is, will you give it up today?
0: This is Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef with pointed words about identity transformation. Talk to someone about experiencing your own identity transformation when you visit ltw.org Jesus.
1: With all the crises going on in the world, we've seen an influx of various refugees from different countries. We help them with their language struggles or with their paperwork and with finding accommodation or food bank needs and the language barrier is quite difficult. And I know that Leading the Way do the navigators in various languages. And it sort of spurred me to then ask if I was able to get some of these navigators for the refugees to hear the word of God in their own language, in a device that's very inconspicuous and that they could just carry around with them that's charged by solar power or by a USB charger and that they could just listen and God would encounter them through those teachings from Dr Michael Yusuf and also from the Bible, the New Testament, that they would really get a feel of what God is saying to them and how much God loves them.
2: Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, can offer
1: God's unconditional love. Communication is really difficult and it's such a barrier. They're able to use the navigators to receive the word of God, which maybe in their country they weren't able to do. So the fact that they had never maybe picked up a Bible before, or they'd never heard the Word of God. And hearing the teachings of Dr. Michael Youssef and hearing the New Testament for them is almost like a revelation because they didn't actually know that that existed or that's what the Word of God is.
2: Here's what I get so emotional when I read the scripture and I just see the wisdom of the
1: Lord. They're receiving truth straight from the Word of God and God is using Dr. Michael Yusuf to preach that. And he's so passionate and he 100% is allowing God to use him. That realisation and revelation of how much God loves them and how much God wants to help them and wants to see them come to faith, it gives them a sense of security and comfort, knowing that there is a hope aside from this life. There is a hope that we have in an eternity, and that's Jesus.
0: Learn more of Dr Yusuf and Leading the Ways teams across six continents in 28 languages. Speak with a ministry representative at Leading the Ways call centre. The number is one 300 or online at ltw.org. ltw.org. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect by television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and all of the social media networks.